Now, although I have drawn clear and distinct and sharp uh, parallels between what is said in the scriptures about this woman and the focus of it, of my sayings, have been on the church that is falling, that has fallen and continues to fall away from the truth. The, the condition of the earth at this time can, will, be, will become increasingly desperate. Now this is the time, you see, this is the time, and you must hear this, this is the time just prior to the return of the Lord. I want to say some overarching things at this moment and I want to come back and work very minutely in the specifics of it to just sort of show you how to deconstruct uh, the understanding of the times, the people and the dynamics, the spiritual dynamics between the revealing or the consummation of things that relate to Satan, <coughs> pardon me, and things that relate more importantly to the final summation of things that will culminate with the return of the Lord. One of my great concerns just now <coughs> is the almost complete absence of reference to the return of the Lord. Most popular invitations um, to believe in Christ stop at going to heaven when you die. There is no particular focus on anything other than that. So the gospel that is being overthrown and the gospel really of the harlot is an empty promise to go to heaven when you die. What do I mean by an empty promise? Well, to begin with, salvation is not a promise that you go to heaven when you die. Salvation is a promise that God will rescue you from the kingdom of darkness and will put you into the kingdom of His Son. Now, a subset of this gospel has to do with what happens to you when you die. But it's not the entirety of the gospel itself. And not knowing that, you see, this limited view, as the famous evangelist would say, you know, uh, make the choice. Give me your hand, give God your heart, join the church of your choice, and go to heaven when you die. Uh, it's essentially a Roman Catholic doctrine because they found that you could monetize access to heaven when you die. But it was picked up in whole 
by more recent um, even evangelists. But what really is the gospel anyway? The gospel is about changing from the native state of all unbelievers of being controlled by the evil one. Now, when you die, going to heaven is part of that, of, of that plan. And I have nothing against going to heaven. In fact, that's, that's very comforting, very wonderful. But it's not the end of the gospel either. We've almost completely forgotten or given up on the idea that the Lord is coming back. And frankly, the notion that the Lord is coming back has grown distasteful over time. So much so that it's largely lapsed as an active gospel, an active component of the gospel. Because you see, His kingdom continues. His kingdom continues in a renewed earth for a thousand years to finish certain things. The bodily, actual return of the Lord ought not be in controversy. It was the last promise that angels spoke uh, when Jesus ascended into heaven. Acts 1, while they beheld, he was taken up, while the disciples beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And there stood by them two men in white apparel, so two angels, in appearance as men, common feature in the scriptures, Old and New Testaments, and said to them, said to the disciples, these angelic figures said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Now here are some things that we don't put together. At the time of the return of the Lord, a whole series of things are coming together. From God's, from the, from the point of view of the Lord and His return, the dead in Christ shall arise first. So that's the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are they who are part of the first resurrection. Upon them the second death has no power. Second death is spiritual death. The first death is a natural one. So when Jesus comes back, those in heaven who are already in heaven will come with him. Those on the earth, those who have died, their souls, their spirits are in heaven and he'll bring them 
but instantaneously their bodies that were put in the dust of the earth, where they are now, will be raised from the dead. And just like Jesus was buried and raised and was raised a spiritual body, 1 Corinthians 15, so those who, are, who have fallen asleep in Christ, whose spirits and souls are in heaven with Him, their bodies will be resurrected from wherever they are buried or disposed of. And those bodies, however, will not be the natural bodies they wore while they were here. In fact, it would be difficult even to recognize the spiritual bodies by comparison to the natural. His disciples had difficulty recognizing Him until He presented the proofs of His wounded side and His torn hands and feet. Because it's a spiritual body capable of moving through walls, being caught up without strings, wires, pulleys or anything else. A, a, a body for functioning in multidimensional fashion and functioning in a new order of things. And those who are dead will be raised with that, those who are alive, the sons of God alive, will be transformed in an instant in the twinkling of an eye, which is the, in the Greek it's the shortest, the briefest moment of time, and will possess such new bodies. And they will come with the Lord. Hmm? They'll come back with Him. We know that. These are old, uncontrovertible, biblical teachings. Now it also says that the one who is coming, namely the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that He will gather the armies of heaven with Him. He will gather the armies of heaven and will, will come in the company of the armies of heaven. Let me read it to you. This is just over in the next chapter, Revelation 19. A rider on a white horse is the caption. Verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he, does, he both judges and makes war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew by himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who else do you think? can claim the name, the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Same Lord Jesus Christ, the same Jesus, taken up from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you see him go. But there's some, he picked up an army, so to speak, by the time between his departure in Acts 1 and his return as depicted in Revelation 19. But I want to say more about that. 
His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, strike down the nations, and he will rule them as with a rod of iron, and he tread, treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God, and he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens. That's over the earth now, right? There are not a bunch of birds flying around in heaven. So on the earth, the command is given to the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens. Come and gather yourselves together unto the great supper, unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and great, bond and free. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sits on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, those both were cast alive into a lake, fire and brimstone, and the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword, which sword proceed, proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now where do you suppose that's happening? That battle on the earth. So, here is what we haven't put together. This great army, led by the Lord Jesus Christ, upon his return, is joined by those whom he's bringing with him, they're part of it, they're given different bodies, and also joined by those who are taken, who are changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's his army. Now, when he's coming, coming with the clouds of heaven, this great and triumphant army, he's coming to a slaughter of rebellious mankind on the earth. Have we ever thought about what happens when the Lord returns? 
other than he appears with the shout of the archangel and the trump of God. What do you think the archangel is shouting about and the trumpet sound? It's the announcement of the king who comes in an environment of war. And we're going to be in that great army. You know, as far as I know, listening to and going back over teachings of this kind on the book of Revelation, never heard anybody mention that he's coming back leading an army. And the dead in Christ will be the ones that he's bringing back with him and those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them and be this great army. I would not be a bit surprised if we attended in that fight. In fact, I would expect that we'd be attended in this fight by legions of angels. Because you know who we'll be fighting? We'll be fighting against mankind who are disobedient to God, who are in league with demonic forces who have been released out of the abyss. This, the end of the age is not going to come with a whimper. It's going to come with a bang. And forget about being caught out before any of this happens. These are the rumblings of a defeated people rather than the soldiers in an army of the greatest of all kings. That's why on his robe and on his thigh is written this legend, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And there will be a slaughter. Everything that opposes God, the main point of opposition will be this beast. And his opposition will be the systems he has formed in lieu of the kingdom of God. Fake and false systems. Now, I, I dropped that bomb and now I want to <laughs> drop some more. Here's the condition of human nature on the earth at this time that leads them into this level of susceptibility. Don't feel sorry for the humans who are to be annihilated in this way because this is the kind of human that you're going to be dealing with here. Let me just read selectively through prophetic scriptures portion from Matthew 24, 3 through 14. These are people who will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. 
hated by all the nations for my name's sake, where many false prophets have arisen and deceive many, where lawlessness will abound and the love of most will grow cold. And that's pretty depraved, but let's go on. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And again, I'm, I'm just showing you the environment that exists at the time of the return of the Lord. And as I'm, as I'm reading this to you, ask yourself, how far are we from humanity being like this right now? Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. But know this, that in the last days, hmm? in the last days, perilous times will come. And he describes those perilous times in terms of the condition of mankind. Men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having, and this is for the church, having a form of godliness. So they'll make Jesus into slogans. Hmm? Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, apathetic. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. They've been there, they've made the decisions, they know what the truth is, but they've rejected it. But they shall progress no further, they'll progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all, as Janus and Jambres' was. That's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now, it gets, I, I stack these in a way that got progressively worse. Here's from Romans 1, 18 through 32. Again, this is what, this is how humanity looks at the time the Lord is leading an army from heaven including the saints, 
bent on the slaughter. I point out here, and I'll pick it up later, the weapon of his warfare comes out of his mouth and is called, he is called the Word of God. Another reference is the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God in the Armor of God series. All right? These are people who have rejected the truth. Pity the people who think that God is endlessly committed to being loving, which is to say tolerant of every evil thing. These are fools and blind. They don't know God. God is God. And I'll, I'll discuss that when I, in a separate recording. But this from Romans 1, 18 through 32. I didn't put this in the Bible. And these things were restrained at one time, but they're not now. Why? Because we're coming down to the wire. The Lord's return is in an environment in which humans are like this. For the wrath of God, unsurprisingly, begins, this reading begins now. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifested to them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that were made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Certain men are without excuse, because they, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, AI. What do you think AI is? But the, the, the compendium of what man is. In the old days, of course, this was made out of stone and, and uh, precious metal even. But when men choose not to retain God in their knowledge, they invent things that are in their own image. Uh, let me make some comments here and I'll resume this reading in the next, in the next uh, portion. The condition of man at the time of the return of the Lord is that he has been completely demonized. And we are presently seeing the indications of demonic activity. What is demonic activity? Demonic activity is facts, facts presented as truth. Because facts are only enough to prove the point, whereas the spirit of truth requires you to tell people everything that they need to know and that you know in order for them to make the right decision. 
A deceiving spirit is the order of our time and that's why mankind has become so depraved and so lawless. Now I want to pick up there when we come back and I'll resume this reading. I'm Sam Solon, I'll see you shortly.